This is TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I want to let you know that the State of the Saints podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Over 2 million men worldwide have joined the movement for all their below the waist needs. Engineers for the last 18 months have perfected the greatest hair trimmer ever created, the Lawnmower 3.0. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can choose the Lawnmower 3.0 as well as other items by going to manscaped.com and you can also save 20% by using the promo code State of Saints. That's manscaped.com. Use the promo code State of Saints and save 20% on the Lawnmower 3.0 as well as other Manscaped items. That's manscaped.com. And what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. And on this edition for a few minutes, and I do mean a few minutes, uh, we're going to be talking about cornerback Cato Farley. And I know the last episode I said that we were going to be talking about uh, some of the Saints, uh, you know, best draft picks of all time. But because this story just kind of came out of nowhere, uh, I thought it would be right for us to talk about it. Uh, according to sources, they're saying that uh, the Saints are thinking about moving up to possibly to draft uh, cornerback Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. So I wanted to get your take on this. Um, I want to talk a little bit about it and, you know, let's have a, a little bit of a discussion. Um, I just realized I don't even really need these headphones on, you know, to actually talk to you all. I don't know. I guess it's just a force of habit. But anyway, Caleb Farley, um, six foot two, 207 pound cornerback coming out of Virginia Tech. Uh, this is a guy that is well touted, uh, well celebrated. Uh, and a lot of people like his size, like his range, like his ability. A lot of people feel like he's the best cornerback in the draft, maybe in that top three. Uh, if you want to put Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn. And then put him, Greg Newsom, take your pick. But he, a lot of people look at him as one of the best. Um, you know, the New Orleans Saints, I, it goes without saying. Uh, the, the cornerback position is a position of need for the New Orleans Saints. They need a cornerback. They need a cornerback like we need water, uh, like we need food. Uh, you know, like, like you need uh, some of the most important things in your life. Uh, that's what the Saints actually need, uh, you know, when it comes to the cornerback position. And even – Coach Payton, uh, who was at the Urich Classic, actually alluded to that. He said that the cornerback position was the position of need. And we all know that the New Orleans Saints, they are always and have been under Coach Sean Payton, 
ebbing a win now team. And some of the decisions that they made made us scratch our heads and wonder to ourselves, what in the hell were they thinking? Why would they move up and get this guy when you possibly can get this guy over here? And, and we, we see these type of things, but we know that the Saints are an extremely aggressive team and they're not looking about looking at two years from now, three years from now. They're looking at the now, right? And um, Caleb Farley kind of fits that mode. Uh, number one, he fits the mode of what the New Orleans Saints feel would be a good fit to be a complimentary cornerback to Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, his range, right, his, his skill set, uh, him being a man corner, him being able to shut down, um, you know, half of the field. Uh, this guy is really good. Like, I, I'm not saying that the guy is, is a bad cornerback. I don't want anybody to think that. Um, I, I'm I'm just saying from my, my, my personal assessment, uh, he wouldn't be my – uh, favorite pick okay but uh all in all he has good recovery skills needs to work on his tackling a tad bit but he's a guy that can, can match up with some of the best wide receivers in football because of his his size uh number two i think that he fits the mode of a chris richard type uh cornerback uh, if you look at chris richard's track record chris richard as a secondary coach uh him uh being one of the masterminds of the legion of boom a lot of those guys in the Legion of Boom uh, were tall guys. Cam Chance was 6'3". Uh, you had uh, Byron Maxwell. Uh, he was 6'1". Uh, you had Richard Sherman. He was 6'2". I want to say the shortest person out there was Earl Thomas, and he was six feet tall. So he he likes those larger guys that I feel like he kind of fits that mold. And maybe the Saints are, are, are trying to uh, replicate uh, what – Chris Rashard actually did with the Legion of Boom. Look, I don't think that this is just a one-stop shop uh, for uh, Chris Rashard. You know, I don't think that this is just a one, you know what I'm saying, a pop-up shop for him. I think that the Saints want this guy to be within this organization long-term. Look, I think they understand. They see it, man. They know that people like Dennis Allen are getting called for coaching jobs. Uh, you know, he was uh, interviewing for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if the Saints defense – end up, you know, having another successful year, then I can see Dennis Allen leaving. I can see the Saints wanting somebody like Chris Richard uh, to actually take his place, man. You know, uh, Ryan Nielsen, I can't see him being with the New Orleans Saints for a long period of time. I can see him end up being a head coach in the NFL somewhere. So the Saints want to continue to have that success if they were to lose some of those important pieces, guys that help the Saints generate success. So I do think that Caleb Farley fits that mold of what Chris Richard actually wants uh, in a cornerback. But uh, to me, uh, I wouldn't aggressively try to move up. And I would have to ask if the Saints do move up, if they decide to pull the trigger, if they decide to make that decision, um, what, you know what I'm saying, like how many spots would they be willing to move? What would they have to give up in order for them to move up those spots? Now, if you're talking about losing a first-round draft pick next year, I, I don't think I would be for that. I don't think I would be uh, open to losing a first-round draft pick. Now, a second round, maybe we can talk because you can always possibly move back into it if some things move around. But I do feel like because you don't know exactly what you have at the quarterback position, a lot of these things are just wishful thinking. We want people like Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill to work out. We want those players to be able to have success. But at the same time, it's not a, a give me. It's not a definite that these guys are going to be able to go out there and perform. 
And let's just say, for example, like you, you don't know what you have at the quarterback position. Let's just say if your team is not very good or you struggle, you'll have a good draft pick or draft spot where if let's just say if you fall into the top 15, you can possibly move into that top 10 and try to acquire your quarterback of the future if these guys don't work out. But if you think that you have a team right now, you're confident in Jameis, you're confident in Taysom, you're confident in the offense that you have, you think that you you have what it takes as a defense to get over the hump, then by all means do it. You know your organization better than me, Mickey Loomis. You know your organization better than me, Sean Payton. But I'm just looking at it from the future. You know, like I understand it's win now. I understand the NFL is about results. It's about the right now league. Is is not, you know, they say it's not for long. You want instant results, but at the same time, you don't want to destroy your organization. You don't want to set your organization back by making some of these decisions, trying to aggressively do something that you it might be uh an insurmountable climb. All right. But I can understand why people like this guy so much. I looked at his tape, I looked at the footage, or I looked at some of his decision making, and I can understand that there are more positive things going on with Kato Farley than there are negative things. But I want to thank everybody for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. And I also want everybody, if you have uh, Twitter, if you um, if you have a Twitter, if you follow on Twitter, follow me uh, on Twitter at State of Saints. I had a poll up right now, and I was talking about the NFL draft, right? I, the NFL draft, and I had a question. And I, um, the question was, um, which of these players, I picked four players, which of these players would you want the Saints to draft? And it was Zayvon Collins, Greg Newsom II, Kayla Farley, and Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. And as of right now, Greg Newsom II and Kayla Farley both are at 38%, followed by Zayvon Collins at 14% and uh, Elijah Moore at 10%. And this is about 63 people voting uh, on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, follow at State of Saints. Uh, you still have about two hours, okay, before the poll becomes uh, final, okay? So uh, you can go to uh, Twitter, follow at State of Saints, and go ahead and take that poll question. Who do you feel like uh, out of those four players would you love to see in a Saints uniform? But let's go ahead and go to the questions. Uh, once, and thank you all for checking out the State of Saints podcast, all the new uh, individuals here and if you like what you're hearing you like the podcast go ahead and give your boy a thumbs up i would really appreciate it uh, special shout out i see chemo in here i see dalton i see jerry i see casual dex tony uh you know thank you all so much you know and all uh carissa um uh, carissa I'm, I'm i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing your name but black uh bloodstone uh thank you so much uh kim is here thank you so much kim for being here uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, Bobby. Shouts out to Bobby Cries. Bobby says, uh, Caleb, uh, not happening. Smokescreen. Why would the Saints release that information this close to the draft? Um, you know, that's a good question. Why, you know what I'm saying, would any team want to release that type of information? You know, it's, you know, it, it's, it's for, I guess it's, it would be for leverage, right? But at the same time, you know, that would be, desperation on their part Bobby so that wouldn't be a very smart decision right that wouldn't be a very smart decision for the New Orleans Saints so I agree if you if you're going that route right if if you know if I'm a little bit desperate why would I tell you how desperate I am you know 
If if I know that my hand is not a good poker hand, why would I sit up there and, and tell y'all, man, look, I ain't got nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, why why would I do that? You know, so I can understand why you would feel like somebody is selling some wolf tickets here, but um, I can understand also too the Saints wanted to get what they want. You know, like the Saints want to get guys that fit that mode. They want to get that guy that fits their scheme. So I can understand your point of view. Uh, why would you want to show your hand? I get it. Uh, but I mean, I've seen weird things happen, but good point, Bobby. Uh, Kim says cornerback in the first round. Yeah. You, you definitely want to get a cornerback in the first round. Like I said, the only exception I had was Zayvon Collins. You know, Zayvon Collins to me is must-see television. He's a guy that fly off the screen. And I'm always an advocate for a guy who flies off the screen, Kim. Always. You know, I don't care. Like, I love guys with heart. I love guys with passion because I feel like you can build on that, especially if a guy has some upside. Um, I'm always going to root for those guys because those are the guys that you want on your team. You want those guys on your team because they're going to go the extra mile. They're going to stay a little longer watching the tape. They're going to show up a little bit early. You're going to roll up to the parking lot and see their car parked out there, ready to rock and roll. You're going to see those guys in the gym clanging and banging. Those are the guys that I like. And that's the reason why I like Zayvon Collins so much. That's the reason why I feel like he is the linebacker that I would make an exception. I watched the tape on Nick Bolton. I watched the, the tape on uh, uh, Jamin, you know what I'm saying, out there in Kentucky. I watched all these different guys, but it's just something about Zayvon Collins. It's just something about a guy who comes from a school like that. You know what I'm saying? You have to be able to go the extra mile, to elevate in order for you to have this type of attention. Like you have to go back to somebody like Khalil Mack coming out of a small, smaller school, coming to the National Football League. When guys come from these small schools and they're flying off the screen like that, you got to watch a little bit longer. Some people will say they're a big fish in a little pine, but other people will say, damn, I want that on my team. But cornerback is the primary concern for the New Orleans Saints. They need to get themselves a cornerback. That's not a position that you want to play around with. Having a bad cornerback can set your team back years, right? Because if you whiff on a draft pick, at corner, you're going to have to probably go into the free agent market and try to find somebody that can give you some level of success. Or you're going to have to wait an extra year. But in that year, you're going to have a, a weak link on the defensive side of the ball. So you can't make those mistakes. And you can set the team back once again because you're paying out money, more money for a veteran that you possibly would pay a rookie going into his rookie deal. Right. So and then on top of that, in the middle of the season, you're not going to find a guy that is, you know, what I'm saying e equivalent uh, to I won't say equivalent. The word I guess I'm looking for is you're not going to find a guy who is going to give you up to standard cornerback success. You got to kind of find diamonds in the rough. Like I look at guys like Eli Apple and guys like Janora Jenkins as anomalies. They just weren't happy with the team. They were, the team wanted out. The player wanted out. It's kind of hard to find guys like that. You know, you're not going to find that in the middle of the season. That's why you have to go out here and get guys like Ken Crawley. That's why you have to go out here and get guys like a Sterling Moore. That's why you had to go out here and get guys like a Pierre Warren and guys like that that were like, 
you know, serviceable guys. So, yeah, let's move down a little bit. Thank you all so much. Feel free to uh, feel free to put your comment. Uh, like I said, I'm scrolling down a little bit because I say quite a bit. Uh, Caleb Farley, uh, I see that you're in the chat. Uh, let me see. Caleb Farley, thank you very much for the $2 says I'm asking for unlimited fart jokes in my contract. Well, Caleb Farley, as long as you can play, I don't care what you act for in your contract. As long as you go out there and you ball out if the Saints draft you, you know, like you have all upside, you got all the skills in the world, and you're a very attractive player to a lot of these coaches out here. The upside, the the weight, uh, the the wingspan. Teams love this type of stuff. They love the type of energy, you know what I'm saying, like and, and the type of player that this guy can be. If they if if he can go out there and perform on the field, you know, teams are going to be extremely giddy to get him. Stroll back up a little bit. Shelton says, think about this. In reference to your theory about getting the wide receiver from Wisconsin, the same goes for a cornerback from Virginia Tech. Uh, why not go get the kid from Florida State, Asante Samuel, plus it's in the genes. Shelton, please, um, Shelton, um, I'm, just, I'm asking you to please elaborate a little bit. Are you saying um, the wide receivers out of Wisconsin, um, the wide receivers out of Wisconsin, are you saying that there are no good cornerbacks or defensive players coming out of Virginia Tech? I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm understanding you correctly because if, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm clear before uh, I respond to you on that. Florida State, Asante Samuel, look, I agree with you, right? You know what I'm saying? His father was a great cornerback, pretty good in his day. Uh, Florida State produced uh, good defensive backs. Um, you know what I'm saying? I get it, right? And you know what I'm saying? It's the bloodline. But I want you to – are you saying that there there are really no good defensive players and that, you know, Virginia Tech is not known for having good defensive players come about that thing, you know, in the secondary? I, I need to know – um, that I'm being clear before I respond to you, man. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, Sanchez says, I just don't want another Marcus Davenport situation. And by that, I mean we trade up for a guy who looks good, but at the end, uh, what we gave up and to get him won't equate uh, up to his level of play. And that's not all on the player, I'm just saying. Les Sanchez, thank you, for, first off, for being a supporter of the State of the Saints podcast via Facebook. And number two, man, look, you you really don't know what you have, and you really don't know what those players are going to do once they get in, on your team, right? I can understand why they want to get Marcus Davenport. He's one of those guys that come from a smaller school that flies off the screen. I'm pretty sure if the Saints knew that he was going to be injured about 70% of the time, they probably wouldn't have drafted him. But, I mean, you know, you're damn if you do, you're damn if you don't. You know what I'm saying? He goes out there, you don't draft him. He goes to another team, he beats healthy. He becomes a, a, you know, he wreaks havoc. He becomes a beast. You're looking at him like, man, why we didn't draft him, right? So I can understand the logic behind them wanting to draft Davenport. Uh, but that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. Those are the breaks. You you see a guy and you you hope that this guy can give you some success at the position you draft him at. Like, for example, with Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore was good in college, but at the same time, he dealt with knee injuries, hamstring injuries, in and out of the lineup. Now, if the Saints would have been like, nah, I don't think we're going to get Marshawn Lattimore. You know, he was always hurt in college. Then, you know what I'm saying, he, he, we wouldn't have got the multi-time Pro Bowler. 
We went and got like arguably one of the best cornerbacks the Saints have ever had, ever. You know what I'm saying? At that position. So sometimes you have to roll the dice. You know, sometimes, you know what I'm saying, you're gonna crap out. That's just that's just the truth, Sanchez. You're gonna crap out sometimes, but um sometimes you're going to, you know, saying be hitting them sevens and them elevens. You know what I'm saying? Like you're gonna be, you know what I'm saying, you're gonna be rolling, you know what I'm saying, and, and money gonna be flowing if you if you get my drip. So just one of those cases, man. It was just a case of bad luck right now for Marcus Davenport. But, you know, I believe that Marcus Davenport, if he stays healthy, you know, I, I really just think now it's, it's between the ears, uh, him being in, injured all the time. I think that sometimes when guys have a history of being injured, their only, the only thought on their mind is not being injured again. And that causes them to play slow. That, that, that causes them not to trust themselves. And I do feel like uh, Marcus Davenport, uh, him last year, him kind of taking a drop off of his production and what we actually seen when he was on the field. I think it had a lot to do with what was going on in his head psychologically, because, you know, that old saying, you can't make a club in the tub. And if you're always in the tub, guys see you in the tub. And if guys feel like they can't rely on you, you start losing faith. They start losing faith and you start looking at other guys. They might talk a little longer to the other guy. They might end up teaching technique. People like Cam Jordan might spend a little time longer than a Carl Granderson than he would you because he realized that maybe Carl Granderson will end up being on the field longer than Marcus Davenport. I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm just saying this could be what's going on in a guy's mind. It's hard for a guy to go out there and play fast when you're constantly injured because the only thing you're worried about is, man, I don't want nobody to roll over my leg and I get hurt. I don't want to, you know what I'm saying, go, you know, full throttle and I end up, you know what I'm saying, pulling something. I mean, it's just psychological at this point. I don't think that you just stop being a good player. I just think that one, you lose confidence. And number two, you just stop believing in yourself. And I think that's the battle what's going on with Davenport. But Davenport to me, you know, he, he's not a rah-rah guy. Um, he's not one of those guys that it, I, I feel like will ever have a C on his chest. To me, he's like a defensive version of a Marcus Coaster. You know, for the exception, Marcus Colston was more productive at this particular point. But, you know, what I'm saying I like I feel like if um, he's a quiet guy, not so much production. OK, because like I said, Marcus Colston was there. But I just feel like he's just not that rah-rah guy. And I just feel like uh, he can easily um, get taken out of a game, you know, and not always because the offensive lineman is pushing him back. It's mostly because I feel um, he loses confidence, especially since he's gotten hurt because Marcus Davenport to me when he first got into the league he was one of the best run stoppers in the league and then I looked at him last year and I'm looking at him like man what the hell going on he couldn't like set the edge for nothing so I don't think guys just stop being able to do those things I just think psychologically it affects them especially when they always hurt Dalton says we all heard Saints away a potential move um, and that's coming from Ian Rappaport uh, it is not sure that Caleb Farley, uh, if it's not him, then which cornerback is it? Well, I'm pretty sure it's the best cornerback available that fits within their scheme. And if I'm looking at the grand scheme of things, um, I'm looking at a Greg Newsom. Um, I'm looking at a Patrick Sertan. Uh, I'm looking at guys like that. Um, the only thing about a Patrick Sertan to me, I think that he is a little bit too much uh, like a C.J. Gardner-Johnson type player, like this guy can play safety or a corner. And I don't know if he'll be able to sustain a, a huge amount of success 
on the outside. Like I can see him possibly playing corner the first year and then a Malcolm Jenkins type situation take place, right? Malcolm Jenkins in his rookie season played corner, but the Saints end up deciding to uh, switch him from corner to safety. And the rest is history. I, I feel like that's the same way with Patrick Sertan. You're not going to get Jay-Z Horn. That's just what it is. I, I just feel like he's not going to be there no matter if you trade up or not. You'll have to really give up a lot in order to be in a position to acquire him unless, like, something happened, like, you know, one of those, uh, you know, uh, Laramie Tunzel type situation, you know what I'm saying? Somebody released a video of him smoking or something and he fall. But, uh, you know, he's going to get picked up. So I think Caleb Farley, Greg Newsom would be one of those guys. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr., I feel like, you know, he might be a first-round pick, but wouldn't surprise me if he falls into the second round. Uh, Zayvon Collins said, Giggitz, I want you too, boo. Uh, y'all's a big, fine woman. <laughs> You's a big, fine woman. Bobby uh, says, uh, what about Barnes? Bad fit? I like Jabril Cox in the in the second round if he's there. Well, I do too, Bobby. And um, I think the Saints are, are probably hoping that he actually is there. Uh, Zach Bond, I'm not saying that he's a bad pick. I don't know. I, I just don't know yet. You know, all I know is this. I didn't see him as much as I feel like a third-round pick needs to be seen. Alex Azzalone was a third-round pick in his rookie year, but Alex Azzalone was on the field. Now, some of you will probably say, well, there was no OTA, there was no minicamp. And Alex Azzalone was able to take advantage of that when he came out back in 2017. Touche. But at the same time, as the year goes by, you have more and more practices. You would think that guys will start to develop. I'll give you a prime example. Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman was not a starter when the Saints first played. He was not getting a lot of uh, playing time. It was Josh Hill and it was Jared Cook. But as the weeks go went by, you start to see Adam Troutman come in the game in more packages, even though most of the time he was blocking. But what happened? They put him in a game as a blocker because he developed as a blocker. It was a couple of times where he actually won awards for that particular week for him being one of the most improved players and, and as a blocker. Um, his pro football focus analytic uh, score went up as a tight end. So what I'm saying is, even though there were no OTAs, no minicamp, those things that that guy could take advantage of, and most of everything was virtually that was offseason because of the pandemic. But still, Adam Troutman rose up the ranks week after week, practice after practice. What what made things so different for him and that didn't make it, you know what I'm saying? And, and what was so different between him and Zach Bond? I guess I'm saying? They're both third-round picks. They're both, you know what I'm saying, at a position of need. They're both, you know what I'm saying, guys that came there at the same time, going through the same thing, sitting in the same sessions, right, as rookies. What made Adam Troutman so different than Zach Bond? Why didn't Zach Bond, even around week nine, week 10, we didn't start to see him a little bit more? I understand that the, the defensive playbook, the playbooks in NFL are the size of the yellow pages. I understand that the verbiage is different. But even if you can't play the middle linebacker position because you have to understand all the type of offensive concepts and be able to call them out, I still should see, be able to see you on a weak side from time to time. I still should be able to see you in the Sam uh, era now and then. I should still should be able to see something that you did really good at Wisconsin, which is put your hand on the ground and rush the quarterback. I should be able to see you 
more periodically than what I actually did. So I can understand why Saints fans would have their feelings towards Zach Bond. And that's one of the main reasons why we can't have this type of conversation about Zach Bond until we actually see it. And I can't say that I can use the pandemic as an excuse, especially when I'm seeing people like Cesar Ruiz come in and have some, you know, have some up and down games, but he's playing. I'm seeing Adam Troutman come in and, you know what I'm saying, he, he, he's not where he needs to be when he first get in, but he's still playing. But Zach Bond, I'm seeing you on special teams every now and then if a guy needs to get a Gatorade break and if a, a defensive player limps off the field. That's not what that is. That's showing me right there, like, maybe you're not grasping it or the team doesn't have the confidence in you and maybe they feel like they made a mistake by drafting you. I know that's tough love. I know that's a tough reality, but that's what it is. If I I got to see you, even if you're not a starter, which I don't expect you to be, you should still be on the field at least 25, 30% of the time. Scott was probably on the field like 10, 12% of the time. No, not, not as a third round draft pick. Not as a third round. That, that, that's all I'm saying. That, that, that's, that's, that's where it all comes down to. That's one of the reasons why I feel like people, like when they, they, they don't have the confidence. Now, if Zach Barn comes out here and he beats out, this complete this conversation that we're having right now is completely negated. It's completely negated because he, he basically proved me and he proved a lot of the naysayers wrong that feel that way about him. But as of right now, I have to say, um, I have to wonder, like, did the Saints make the right decision? Especially when I'm seeing your other draft mates out there on the field contributing at a high higher rate than you are. So I, I, that's, that's just the way I feel about that. Seems like something uh, they would do. Tess says, uh, now you're making me. Let's see, uh, DLP 2600, I recently did a few mocks here. Uh, was first, uh, was it first five picks, Collins, uh, what is that, Melifonwu, man. Uh, Tyman, uh, McNeil, and uh, Keith Taylor Jr. Uh, that's you know, what I'm saying that's some good picks right there. You know, that, that, those are some good solid picks. Um, I know I butchered that other guy's name, you know what I'm saying, but those are some good picks. Uh, you know, I think DLP, I think me and you speaking the same language. Uh, I, I've been speaking on this for months. Uh, I think the Saints need that transcendent linebacker. Um, uh, I think the Saints need that guy, uh, that sideline to sidelines. Uh, I think that you need a guy that can come in that can that can you can build with a guy that you you can actually have the Mario Davis uh, teach and be under his toolage and become something really really special. I think Zayvon Collins is that guy. Everybody else, you know, what I'm I feel like gonna be good, but I just feel like Zayvon Collins can be great. Why don't we just trade for Horn? Because that would be that wouldn't be a smart decision, uh, Ivan. You know, like I, I like to me. You know, what I'm saying like I understand why you would want J.C. Horn. Okay, I do. I really do. He's a great player, great instincts, best cornerback in the draft. If you, if you're looking at it from an analytical, uh, you know, what I'm saying upside standpoint, but you have to look at the future and you have to look at what you're willing to give up. You do not want to sacrifice your your future trying to live in the now. And if you aggressively try to move up to the single digits, to the top 10, to the top 12, are you sacrificing your future, uh, trying to roll the dice 
on a cornerback. And I get it. You need good cornerback play. Everybody throws the ball these days. You got teams that throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. You need that guy that can go out there and shut down half of the field. I understand it. But at the same time, we have to understand this too. The Saints are picking at number 28 for a reason. And you don't pick at number 28 if you're a bad football team, right? That's just what it is. If you're the Bengals, if you're the Falcons, if you're the Eagles, if you're the Panthers, you know, like if you're the Jets, you're picking in the top 10 because you're not very good. It's just as simple as that. You are not very good if you're picking in the top 10. And I think that when we look at number 28, we're like, why we don't move up? Why won't move up? Check this out. You're picking at 28 because you're a pretty damn good football team and you don't have those many holes in the team. And I, I think sometimes we have this, this false sense of reality sometimes because I get it. Drew Brees is gone. A lot of our success that we had is kind of clinked and connected to Drew, but I have confidence in his team. And his team is not bad to a point where we just have to feel like the sky is falling if the Saints sit there at 28 and they pick a guy because the Saints have proven and have shown us that they have gotten the right draft picks over the last couple of years and they have developed those guys into the system. We look at somebody like C.J. Garner-Johnson. What was he, like a fourth-round draft pick? You know what I'm saying? Like, But look at this guy. This guy's like one of the heart and souls of the defense. So – we have to trust at 28, if the Saints, even if they don't move up, we have to be advocates, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we have to be supporters of these guys and say, look, the Saints have done an outstanding job. Whoever they pick, we know they're going to develop in their system. And we know for a fact that we're going to be able to get the results that we need out of that particular player, which I don't understand. Like, I don't understand, like, why all of a sudden this year we feel like the Saints have to aggressively move up to get a player. Like, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand, like, why that. Like, even, like, if you looked at my uh, my last year uh, draft, right, we have the draft reaction party, and I encourage everybody to check it out. It's going to happen on tomorrow. We're going to have a live reaction show. We're going to be taking phone calls. We're going to be having a good time. But when you look at the NFL draft, when I, when I was doing the show, I was talking about the Saints acquiring Jordan Love. I wanted them to draft them badly. A lot of the things I was doing, I was like, man, please don't draft them. Please don't draft them. You know what I'm saying? But I wasn't saying, man, the Saints move up, move up. Why was I saying that? Because I didn't feel like it was necessary. The Saints at 28, we we have to understand that these guys are doing their due diligence. They're picking out every type of scenario that you can think of. What if we stay at 28? What if we move to 24 to 28? How do you think the draft is going to go? These guys are prepared for the best and prepared for the worst. These guys spent countless hours putting these boys together. You know what I'm saying? Like erasing, adding, erasing, adding. The Saints are the 28 pick for a reason. So I don't think we need to be sitting up here acting as if the sky is falling like we're chicken little. You know, like I, I think that the Saints, regardless if Caleb Farley ends up getting drafted early and the Saints don't move up for him, there's still other credible cornerbacks out there that I feel like that can make a lot of noise. And the draft, you know, we, we, we fall into the trap sometime. I do too. You know, I'm human. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a fan at the end of the day, just like everybody else. We, we, we find the Mel Kuypers, we find the Bucky Brooks, we find the Ty McShays and they do their big boards. 
and we watch this stuff and we they tell us all these great reasons why these guys are can't miss guys. And and subconsciously we fall into that trap and we feel like we can't live without those guys. And that's not always the case. You can still find diamonds in the rough. You can still find great players in late rounds. Alvin Kamara was a third round pick. Marcus Williams was a second round pick. Michael Thomas was a second round pick. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to like go into the first round and be like, okay, you know, like if it, if if we don't get him in the first round or we can't get that person in the first round, like it's doomed. We we suck. No, there's some great players all across the board. You can find a great player, a good player in the fifth round, fourth round. You know, like you have to do your due diligence, and those guys don't always get it right. Like we we can't always get lost in the sauce. You know, I know, like I said, it's normal because we we trust these guys. We trust these guys to give us the information that we need in order for us to uh, give our opinions. You know, I look to a lot of these guys, you know what I'm saying? I, I look to a lot of their reporting and their analysis in order for me to formulate my ideas and views. But at the same time, like, just like me, that don't mean that they're always correct about their, their thought patterns. You know, like, we can't always fall into it. Sometimes we just got to trust the team more so than trusting the scouts. You know? T30 says, and hey, with the 28th pick of the 2021 NFL draft, T30 and his little man select crawfish, corn, sausage, and potatoes. Man, that sounds pretty doggone good right there. That's that's def- That ain't a 28th pick. That's a, that's a first pick, you know? <laughs> that's an on-the-stage pick right there. That's a hugging a commissioner pick. Uh, Kent Jackson Sr.'s. Calvin Joseph. Okay. Uh, casual decks out, out there in the great white North out there in Canada says Collins and Asante Sanders Jr. would be awesome, but I don't know what it would cost. Yeah. Um, Asante Sanders Jr. To me is, is the most likely cornerback. If I'm picking out of him, I'm not saying he's not going to be a first round pick. I'm not that confident, but he's a guy that I feel like can easily fall into the second round. Uh, don't think he or broke uh, broke back will be there. I don't know what we're talking about there. All I got to say is I remember Ricky Williams. I think we all rem- remember Ricky Williams. Uh, well, some of us probably don't. Some of my younger viewers out there, you know, they probably uh, don't remember, you know, Ricky Williams. But, uh, but I definitely do. Um, I remember when the Saints gave up everything they had for Ricky Williams. But um, – you know, Mike Dicker had, had too much of an ego, you know, I, I feel. You know, I, anybody that anybody that would do something like that, like their ego has to be the size of Texas and Alaska combined. Like you cannot do something like that. Like that was the dumbest decision, I think, in NFL history. Like seriously, I'm talking about when it comes to the NFL draft, that might be the dumbest decision in history. Now – like I said before, I know some people probably bring up the Jamarcus Russells of the world, giving them all that money. Uh, some people would bring up, uh, you know, other, you know, draft picks like Brian Bosworth and all these other guys. But I, at, to a certain extent, you can understand why uh, those teams decided to select those players because they were really good college players. Um, but to give up your entire draft for a college player, even though Ricky Williams was a good college player, that's basically 
you're basically playing basketball, playing football, right? In, in, in an NBA draft, you can select one player, and that player can, can change your entire fortunes of your franchise. You can't do that in NFL. Like, you, you can't. It's, it's a team game. It's a team sport. I don't care. I don't care how good of a quarterback you are. If your defense can't stop anybody, you can throw a 400-yard, five touchdowns, and still lose. If you go out there and you have uh, 50, 50 points, 10 rebounds, 14, you know what I'm saying, 14 assists or whatever like that, and two blocks, you most likely won the game, and you most likely going to have a lot of success. You know, like, so he made it seem like he was playing basketball. In reality, he was playing football. That was not a good pick. That was an arrogant pick. That was a pick like y'all franchise. What like it was a disrespectful pick if you think about it. Like as a Saints fan, if you think about it, it was very disrespectful. It was like y'all asked me to come here. Y'all not a good franchise. Y'all not good enough. Y'all way was not good enough. So I'm gonna do it my way. And y'all shouldn't tell me nothing because what did y'all actually had before I got here? That was a very arrogant pick when you think about it. And I like Ricky Williams. I'm glad Ricky Williams, you know what I'm saying, ended up towards the end of his career, start to live up to that potential. But to give up everything that you actually had for one guy was absolutely asinine. And to me, was the worst draft decision in NFL history. It's just as simple as that. Like, you can talk about draft busts, but I'm talking about just the decisions as a whole. That set it back, Right. Like we we talk about how the bounty scandal. We talk about how the bounty scandal set the team back, right? So imagine like giving up all of your draft picks, right? At least the Saints like they lost their first and their second, but they still picked in the third round. Then the next year they was able to pick in the first round and you get people like Brandon Cooks and all that kind of stuff in the future. That set the team back. That's really equivalent to giving your team the death penalty. And that's what Mike Dicker did. And it wasn't a very smart decision. Derek says, TJ, there's no way in hell we move up for Caleb, especially since everyone is saying it. Saints never show their hands. Smoke screen. Okay, another smoke screener here. Bobby says it. Derek says it. If we move it, we won't, uh, it won't be for him. Interesting point, Derek. And, and Bobby alluded to it earlier in the show. Like I, I, I tend to agree with that. Leanne, a supporter of the State of Saints podcast, giving a shout out to the OG, says, I will lose it too. It's my biggest fear for real. Uh, what is your biggest fear? I, I'm missing a lot of the conversation. I apologize, folks. I really do. You know, I just want to make sure that, you know, people understand and like, you know, where I'm coming from, my thought patterns, you know, just kind of give you all the conversation. Uh, Gigaton says, hey, you, 82 people viewing. Find your way to the thumbs up button and click it. It's all love. Yeah, thank you so much, Gigasis. You know, I, I thank you all for the support. You know, I thank you all for supporting the State of the Saints podcast. And, you know, I, I, I love this podcast so much uh, because of the interaction uh, of between, you know, myself and you all, you all being, you know, key roles in the show, success. You know, I think a lot of people sometimes, like, to me, give me, way too much credit you know i was you know i was talking a little bit about that this morning you know i think a lot of people and I, I appreciate this you know i think one person actually like referred to me they said you know they they refer to me as the the new buddy delaverto you know what i'm saying like that's a huge like honor and i appreciate it 
but I think sometimes people don't understand the concept. Like I'm just an everyday guy. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I go to work nine to five, just like you all, you know what I'm saying? Like TJ Jones behind, you know what I'm saying? The state of the saints podcast. I said this earlier. I'm Timothy Jones. You know what I'm saying? I'm Timothy Jones, a saints fan born and raised in new Orleans and just passionate about the team and decided to start a podcast based on my anger about uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing for four touchdowns and over almost and Tampa Bay giving up. I mean, having about 500 total yards offense and the saints can't stop in the nosebleed in week one. And the rest is history. Everything else, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like, you know, I'm fortunate and blessed because you all put a lot of confidence in me. And I guess that's why sometimes, like, I, I really just don't understand, like, I understand, like, how people, why people get mad at me or or why they just feel like my opinion just means so much more to a point where they just get frustrated and they want to, like, just completely, like, try to, I guess, like, demean or try to, you know, I, I really don't understand. Like, I, I just I discredit the word I'm looking for, discredit what I'm saying. Like, I don't think I'm better than anybody. Um, I don't think my opinion means more than anybody. I think a lot of people look at my energy and they look at the way that I deliver things. You know, I, I try to be, I try to show the courage of my conviction. You know what I'm saying? I try to show the courage and my confidence, right? So a lot of people may think that I, I, I look at it as a form of arrogance, but I don't. And like I said, I go back to it. Like, I appreciate everybody here. You know, I appreciate everybody here for having the confidence in me. But my opinion isn't bigger than anybody else's. I don't feel like I'm better than anybody else. Uh, anybody that comes on the show, I'm just fortunate and happy that they're actually there. And I'm just trying to build something that people can just be proud of. And But at the end of the day, man, TJ Jones is Timothy Jones, just like everybody else. And Timothy Jones appreciates everybody here, everybody here that invests their time, people that support this podcast because they believe it's something to be worth investing in. And, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, like TJ think he better. No, I, I do not. I'm here because of you all. I'm here. I'm here. And, I, and this show is, is taking off because of you all. And I, I don't, I never lose sight of it. And maybe sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I guess I get in my own way sometimes because I want to try so hard to give you all a great quality show. And I want, you know what I'm saying? You all, give you all a show that, that you can all call your own. And sometimes I may take it a little bit too serious, but uh, you know, sometimes every now and then, you know, I think I have to let people know, like, that's who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like my brother in the chat, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm Timmy to my mom. I'm Tim to, to my uncles. I'm Timothy to everybody else. You know what I'm saying? TJ Jones, that, you know, that's, you know, he on the state of Saints podcast. That's, that's really who I am. Just everyday guy, just like everybody else. Like I think about, you know what I'm saying? Like bills and situations, just like everybody else. I think about being the best father, best husband, just like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like I sit down and say these things and, you know, talk about bills and life and, you know what I'm saying? What are we going to do outside with the, 
you know what I'm saying, with the garden and, you know what I'm saying, all that kind of stuff, just like everybody else. And I make decisions just like everybody else. There's nothing different except I just love what I'm doing right now. And I appreciate y'all. know that was a long, drawn-out statement, but I just had to let that be known. My big brother EJ says, I think that Matt Jones uh, will fall to someone, and I think that defensive player will go in clusters. Well, look, this is the thing. I don't understand where this whole Mac Jones thing come from, E. Uh, we talked about this before, but we kind of had to get off the phone because uh, shouts out to my sister-in-law. She had she, she called you, but we were about to get into this. Shouts out to my brother, man. Conversation we be having like off the air be absolutely bomb. Y'all check out the Pick 6 Blog World podcast that he have going on on Anchor. But I don't understand this whole Mac Jones thing. I don't. I don't understand how is it that people looking at Justin Fields and they can critique and, and downgrade everything this dude doing. But then Mac Jones, Mac Jones. Mac Jones, to me, is a product of his environment. Why or how the hell wouldn't you succeed when you got some of the best wide receivers you got the best running back in Najee Harris. You got some of the best defense in, in the country playing on your squad. How in the world wouldn't you succeed? Like, we, we looked at the McElroys. We looked at the A.J. McCarrens. Those guys couldn't get on the field to save their mama life in the NFL. But they were a product of their environment. They were a product of the Julios. They were a product of the Ripley's. They were a product of, you know what I'm saying, all these other players, the Amari Coopers. And, and you know what I'm saying, and the Mark Ingrams and, and, and the Derrick Henrys. And all of a sudden, Justin Fields, to me, like, I don't be really be seeing, like, wide receivers from Ohio State just wrecking the league. I, I don't see that. I see defensive players, cornerbacks, doing their thing. But how is it that Mac Jones and all of a sudden, oh, he, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, like, all of a sudden his name comes up. But how are you just completely, like, like just discredit what Justin Fields did against a Clemson team who has been in the college football playoff championship on multiple occasions. How can you discredit this guy? Mac Jones to me is a product of his environment. And I feel like anybody that, that drafts him would be making a huge mistake. Oh, he has good leadership skills. So does most people in ROTC in high school, but that don't mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, when if it was time for wartime, I want them to say attack. I I, I wouldn't be looking for them uh, to be the leader in a foxhole. That just means that you were really good at your formations and doing all that stepping and rifle team and all that other crap. But at the end of the day, Mac Jones, I feel like you will be wasting your time, and I feel like it would be a big mistake to pick him over Justin Fields if you're going that route. That would be asinine. Word of the day, okay? Asinine. That would be asinine. What has Mac Jones done besides fall ass backwards into success? Like the dude to me, Mac Jones is the Cosmo Kramer of football right now. Anybody that follows Seinfeld, you know what I'm talking about. Kramer just automatically just stumbles in on things that, that work in, in his favor, right? He's the Cosmo Kramer of football. Like you, you fell into a great situation. All you had to do was just make sure that you ain't messing up. Anybody can deliver a ball if you, your wide receiver got about 15, 20 yards of separation, right? Anybody can do a wide receiver screen. 
Anybody can throw a wide receiver screen, you know what I'm saying, if you know that wide are going to break about four or five tackles. And, it, and the thing about it is people are saying that, I, I'm not, uh, okay, I'm, I'm looking at Tony, and you're saying that Mac Jones is a good quarterback. Yes, he is a good quarterback. But wh- who am I comparing him to? Goes back to my saying about Aaron Brooks earlier in the week. He's a good quarterback, but who am I comparing him to? Who am I comparing him to? And, and, and look at his situation. All I'm saying is his, his mystique gets elevated based on the guys around him. That's just that's just my opinion about it. Like, you know what I'm saying? These guys make you better than what you are. If you are an okay basketball player, you playing at the playground, and the guys around you on your team, you're playing five-on-five whole court, you're you, okay? I'll just use me for an example. I'm six feet tall. I'm about 220, right? I'm okay at basketball. Not really. You know what I'm saying? But let's just say the other four guys on my team, 167, 165, 163, and, you know what I'm saying, another one, you know what I'm saying, 6'3". And they go out there and we play basketball. And all these guys are really good basketball players. We might win every game, but is it because of me? No, I might shoot a shot. You know what I'm saying? If they miss one, I might be under the rim and do a putback, or they might pass it out because they getting doubled and nobody trusts me to make the shot. But what am I actually doing? Like I'm winning, but I'm winning not because of anything I'm doing. I'm winning because of the guys around me. That's what Mac Jones is to me. That's what that's what Mac Jones is. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not criticizing him to a point where I feel like, oh, he can't play in the NFL. I'm doing it when it comes to, like, Justin Fields. I just don't understand it. I don't understand how you can critique Justin Fields and his shortcomings but not looking at the obvious, right? This is this is like the booger in the nose that's sticking out, right? It's, it's painstakingly obvious there's a booger in your nose. It's painstakingly obvious that Mac Jones is winning, not because of so much of what he has done, but because of the people that are around him. You know, like, so – respect to him i hope i hope he finds success but to me as of right now he's cosmo kramer tj i'm telling you mac jones will be special uh look into it uh he worked uh with a navy seal in his own on his own uh on mental toughness and he has one of the best uh deep ball touches i've ever seen cliff uh like i said all this is opinionated right I'm just giving. I'm just giving my opinion. You, pro, you, you know, what I'm saying the way that you feel about Mac Jones is justifiable. What you're saying right now, the deep ball, the touch, uh, you know, what I'm saying the mental toughness, great, wonderful, love it. But you know, as of right now, as of right now, Mac Jones has everything that he has, Cliff, in my opinion, because of what was around him. If he goes out here and he proves me wrong, if he goes to a team that struggles, let's just say, for example, he ends up going to the Falcons, right? Falcons, they decide, okay, man, Matt Ryan, I salute you, but we done, right? He comes in, he plays, he balls out. I will come on this show. I have no problem. I have no problem. Anybody that knows me following the show know I have no problem saying I was wrong this happened. I believe this. Okay. I'll have no problem coming on the show and saying Mac Jones proved me wrong. But as of right now, as it stands today, Cliff, 
I feel like this guy is a product of every, of, of his environment. Yeah, he has the touch. Yeah, he can throw the ball down the field. Yeah, he got a good deep ball. Great, right? But I need to see this. I need to see a team win because of Mac Jones. I need to see a team win because Mac Jones is the primary source to that team's success. I can't say that. And, and, and Tony, you're an Alabama fan. You know, these guys generate so many great players, so much great talent, so many first round picks. And, and it, it is very rarely because of the quarterback. So I'm not saying my narrative about Mac Jones can't change, but as of right now, the guy is a product of his, of his environment. Once again, he is the Cosmo Kramer of the NFL draft to me. So I'm going to take a few more of them and get up out of here, man. Uh, Zion says, honest question. Did you feel the same way about Tua and Bama as you do about Mac? Uh, he played with much more talent around him than Mac did. Uh, Zion, uh, good question. I really didn't know what to think about Tua Tagovailoa. Really, I really don't. And honestly, maybe it's just what I've seen throughout the years out of Alabama. Maybe it's uh, Nick Saban's philosophy is what gets me. Um, it's been only a few years where we can actually say that Alabama start producing first-round uh, type quarterbacks, Tua and Mack, right? Would you say that McElroy was a first-round draft pick at quarterback? No, he was a game manager. A.J. McGarren, would you say he was a first-round draft pick as a quarterback? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? If you want to go back in the day, you know what I'm saying, with it, uh, you know what I'm saying? Who was the dude, uh, Booty or whatever like that back in the like, Would you actually ever say that any of those guys were like first round draft picks? Probably not. It's, it's been the last couple of years where we actually seen guys in that conversation. So maybe my judgment and my logic and my mind frame is based on what Nick Saban has presented to me. Getting guys that are good defensively, good running backs and a quarterback that don't screw up. And putting players around him that can make plays. So when it comes to Tua Tagovailoa, no, I didn't know what to think about Tua. And as you can see, Tua's having an issue out there in Miami right now. Why is that? Is it his leadership skills? Is the fact that people feel like they can't win with him? Hmm, that's very interesting, right, Zion? The fact that Tua had all this hype, I think, I think, I think it's, it's worth exploring. Tua had all this hype, and all of a sudden he goes to Miami and his teams don't believe, and his teammates don't feel like they can win with him. They feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick was the answer, not him. So, I mean, fool me once, shame on you. You know what I'm saying? Fool me twice, shame on me, right? You know, like, so I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's hard. Uh, Derek, uh, thank you very much for the $10. Says, appreciate you. God bless young blood, man. Shouts out to you, Derek. Thank you so much for the $10, man. And I'm going to read... I'm going to read two more. Okay. Kent says, how many wins this year, TJ? I'm going to say 10. I'm going to say 10 wins. And Donald says, thanks. Uh, just uh, Things just got interesting. Bronco traded for Teddy. Does that mean no quarterback at nine? Probably not. Um, probably no quarterback at nine. But you can't say this. It could be. I mean, it's not like they just gave up the house, the farm, the cars, the kids, and the dog 
for Teddy Bridgewater. It was a six-round pick, which was very disrespectful, by the way. Um, here's the thing. Teddy Bridgewater, for the second time in his career, has been traded due to Sam Darnold. First time it was with the Jets, right? That's how we were able to get him. We traded with the Jets to get Teddy Bridgewater because they believed Sam Darnold was the future. Same thing with Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater deserves a team that believes in him, right? Don't, don't, don't put the man on a short leash. Don't have the man out here wondering if I'm going to have a job tomorrow. Give this guy an opportunity to show that he can play. I'm concerned. I'm very concerned because, number one, Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, who's a good defensive-minded coach, Vic Fangio, who's a guy who I feel like can, can really coach a defense, I don't know if he is going to put Teddy Bridgewater in the right hands to make him successful. I feel bad for Teddy because I don't feel like Denver is the right spot for him to be able to spread his wings. Um, if he would have went to New England, I probably would have been a little bit more confident because like Sean Payton, uh, Bill Belichick does things to put his quarterbacks in positions. He plays to their strengths, right? If you know you don't have a mobile quarterback, then most likely you're going to get people like James White catching the ball out of the backfield. If you have a mobile quarterback, you're going to utilize him the way he was using camp. So if he was to go somewhere like that, I would be happy. But in Denver, I don't know. I think he fits that mode of, of Denver, right? Um, if you look at Peyton Manning's last season, I, I guess you can look at it from this point, this point, if you want to be optimistic. If you look at Peyton Manning's last season, Peyton Manning was a game manager. Just don't screw it up. The defense will take care of the rest. I think if you're going that route, I think Denver would be just fine. But the only issue that I have with that is you're playing in a division with Justin Herbert. You're playing a division with Patrick Mahomes, two guys that can sling that rock. And eventually you're going to have to be able to go toe to toe with those guys in order for you to combat what they're actually doing. So that's the only issue that I have with that. But I wish Teddy all the success in the world. I don't understand why Teddy just don't uh, just get the knot and be like, OK, man, you're our guy. Why is it that things got to be so hard for Teddy? I really just don't know. Everybody else, and, and don't give me that stuff, oh, maybe he's not that good. We see so many quarterbacks that aren't that good, but they're getting starting jobs. They're getting opportunities. What makes Teddy so different? Maybe because Teddy's a free spirit. Maybe because Teddy, you know what I'm saying, marches to the beat of his own drum. Maybe because Teddy's not that rah-rah guy that they're looking for. Or maybe it's the fact that Teddy is black. I really don't know. But what I do know is the guy deserves better. He deserves better than what these teams are giving him. The short leash that Teddy Bridgewater has had over the last couple of years of no fault of his own. Like it was a freak accident that happened to him in practice and training camp, set him back for two years. But the guy deserves better. The guy deserves a shot. The guy deserves somebody to say, you know what, you're our guy. And we're going to build around you and we're going to put you in a position to succeed. He has not gotten that since he was the starting quarterback of the Saints. And hopefully somebody will find this guy, understands how special this guy is, and get this guy the opportunity he deserves to sink or swim. But I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast that is brought to you by Manscaped.com. 
Go to manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs. Over 2 million men worldwide are choosing manscaped.com for their grooming needs. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code State of Saints. That's all one word, State of Saints, and you will save 20% off of your purchase, 20% off of your purchase. So go to manscaped.com. Thank you all so much. Thank you to those that donated. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're new. Hit the like button if you enjoyed the show. Uh, help the show elevate, reach higher heights. Thank you all so much for uh, believing in a kid from the Night Ward in New Orleans and myself. And we're going to continue to grow this show. And we're going to continue to grow as a family. We're going to continue to figure it out. We're going to continue to laugh it out, cry it out, pull our hair out, those that have hair. <laughs> but we're going to have a good time here on the State of the Saints podcast. And uh, previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. And make sure that you follow the State of the Saints podcast on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at State of Saints. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that? <laughs>